passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Episode 193 for the love of the game, a victory Monday episode of, for the love of the game on the Believe Podcast Network is brought to you by Bet Online. The NFL playoffs are here, and Bet Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting needs this NFL postseason. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. As always, Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports, not just the NFL playoffs, which the Giants, by the way, are in the second round. The NBA, NHL, a little Australian Open, you name it, Bet Online has it. Head to betonline.ag today, join and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Use promo code BLEAV, B L E A V, to get your 50% welcome bonus. Bet online, where the game starts with that said. A glorious episode 193 for the love of the game. Let's get this work. Welcome back. Welcome back. Episode 193 for the love of the game on the Bleef Podcast Network. It is yours truly, ATH. It's Aaron Tobin has back in the saddle, back behind the mic on a victory fucking Monday. Something that has never been done in this show's history. Recapping a New York Giants playoff win. On Believable. It's been 11 years, 11 long years for the New York Giants since they've tasted victory in a playoff game. And it happened yesterday, 31-24 in Minnesota. Awesome. Absolutely awesome. I know you're probably expecting me to come on and get excited about the start of the Australian Open. I like the Australian Open, but that's not the story today. It's not the story today. The New York Giants won a playoff game. And Daniel Jones 
is becoming that dude. Yes, that Daniel Jones. His fifth-year option was not picked up. That guy threw for over 300 yards, two TDs, and ran for over 70 yards. It's been done two other times in playoff history. Lamar Jackson and Steve Young and Daniel Jones actually got a win in a game when those milestones were achieved. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. So let's go through what happened in yesterday's game. I said I was weirdly confident going into the game. Doesn't mean my sphincter wasn't super tight watching the game. I forgot what kind of pain and agony is involved in watching a playoff game. It's been a long-ass time. I mean, the Giants haven't been in the playoffs since 2016, and that game against the Packers wasn't particularly close after the famous boat photo. So this was a breath of fresh air. So we just talked about Daniel Jones, over 300 yards in the air, two touchdowns, 78 rushing yards, big throw after big throw, big run after big run, nuts on the table type stuff. I was a skeptic. I was a Daniel Jones skeptic coming into the year. And right now, I, I, I cannot believe the 180 I've done on the guy. And it's hard not to be super impressed and do the 180. What else does he have to do? He's played well down the stretch. Limited offensive weapons. But by the way, those wide receivers, aside for the Darius Slayton drop, and for the most part, he played a really good game. We'll get to all the nitty-gritty in a second. And with tonight's recurring guest, I'm sure you can probably guess who that is. But Isaiah Hodgins, over 100 yards in a tutty. Darius Slayton, 88 yards. Daniel Jones, man. He's 25 years old, and he's making me a believer. Absolutely incredible. Incredible game from him. Saquon Barkley only got nine rushing attempts. At times, I thought that was a few too few. I thought he should have gotten the ball a little bit more, especially in the run game. 53 yards, basically six yards a clip. Got in the end zone twice. Big boy run for the second touchdown. Unbelievable. That was, that was some man football like that. He was really good in the passing game. Made big plays. Another 50 yards in the passing game. Moving the ball when he's healthy, he's the best back in football. I've said this multiple times. You can have your Christian McCaffrey. You can have your Nick Chubb. You can have your Derrick Henry. You can have anybody you want. When 26 is right, 26 is the best. He's the best. He's the absolute best. And for him to show up big, in his first playoff game, for Daniel Jones to show up big for his first playoff game, and for the coaching staff to show up big in their first playoff game, you gotta love that. You gotta love it. That was the question mark. They'd never been there before. How they're gonna respond? The numbers for a first time playoff start quarterback against the guy who's had playoff starts were pretty grisly. And Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley. And Brian Dable and Mike Kafka and Wink Martindale said, fuck that. They crashed that party. Awesome. Absolutely awesome. I mentioned the receiving core. Hodgins, excellent. Slayton had the bad drop. You felt bad for him. He had 88 yards. 
that play would have ended the game. They would have picked up the 15 yards, gotten the first down, would have been able to milk the clock. That would have ended the game. But you know what happens when you have good juju? Your teammates pick you up. They pick you up, and the defense picked them up, even though the referees almost decided to give the Vikings a chance. Not almost decided. They did, because that roughing the passer on Dexter Lawrence, who, by the way, is an absolute monster, was ridiculous. I don't know if it was the blow to the side of the head. He barely touched him, or that Cousins was, quote-unquote, wrestled to the ground. I don't know if that was the case. I mean, I don't know what the referees are looking at there. Ridiculous call, bogus call, but it's all for naught. Giants get the stop. Cousins goes short on a fourth and eight to TJ Hawkinson, who, by the way, had himself quite a day, terrorized the Giants. But in the Giants' defense defense with Wink Martindale, they said Justin Jefferson was not going to beat us today. Justin Jefferson, seven catches, 47 yards, and after the first quarter was relatively quiet. So at a certain point, you got to give up something. And Dexter Lawrence was a monster. Kayvon Thibodeau looks like he was making plays. I mean, they got to Kirk Cousins 11 times. They didn't register any sacks, but they hit him a bunch. And yeah, going forward, they're going to need to sack the quarterback. But defense came up big when they needed to. Adoree Jackson, who was back, first game back, played really well. Xavier McKinney played well. Just a full, full Team win, complete win, all phases of the game. You love to see it. And again, it all stems from the personality and the cojones of their head coach. Brian Dable, I love this man. I love this man a tremendous amount. That beautiful, bald-headed man. The confidence that he's instilled in this team is incredible absolutely incredible going for it on fourth down trying to put up touchdowns not playing scared ever it's gotten to the point where every decision he makes i'm a okay with sometimes the results won't go your way like when he declined the penalty on third and eight at the end of the first half it was a holding call could have pushed them back 10 yards but they wanted to conserve the time to try and score at the end of the half i was okay with it did the giants give up a big play to hawkinson yes but the logic is right and giants fans you can't be questioning the coach at this point you can't almost every decision he does is well thought out and a lot of the time the last month it's come up aces can't question the play calling every single play call it may not work but i trust the fact that the logic isn't faulty that the logic is right and that it's thought out the fourth and one at the 47 yard line to try and ice the game right there right before the the big slate and drop absolutely loved it absolutely loved it it cannot be understated just how much a difference that man makes to this organization this same roster essentially the same roster under joe judge 
was a catastrophe last year. Playing chicken shit football. Not this year. What a 180. I mean, what a 180. And guess what? I was feeling weirdly confident going into this game. I know I, I, you know, you always have a pit in your stomach as a New York sports fan, as a Giants fan, that something's going to go wrong when the Vikings had the ball down late 31-24. I had that pit in my stomach when Dexter Lawrence got called for that roughing call. The pit got really big. The sphincter got really tight. Really, really tight. But they pull it out. I was confident. In this game, you know, I, I I picked them all which ways. Picked them with the spread. I picked them to win, money line, all of that. And I know they're going to go into Philadelphia next week, and we're going to talk about it with our recurring guest. And guess what? I am weirdly confident about this team next week, too. The line, I think, right now is at eight and a half. You know where I'm going. Am I betting against a coach who loves to dance to Chief Keefe's Love Sosa? By the way, that had to be the intro song for tonight's episode because of that video. Yeah, I know it was from week one. I don't care. It resurfaced. Shout out to Warren Sharp for resurfacing it. But yeah. How about them New York football giants? Incredible. Absolutely incredible. And Daniel Jones, I know I've sung his praises, and we'll probably do so in the next segment too, but that guy's going to get paid. He is going to get paid, and he deserves it. He's 25 years old. He's ascending, and even if you wanted to go another route, look around the landscape. Where are you going? Do you want to roll the dice in the draft? No. Do you want to try and get Aaron Rodgers? Eh, he's a diva. Daniel Jones is here to stay. Brian Dable is here to stay. And a team that, again, I mentioned it last episode, looked like it was absolutely barren in the talent department. And the cap was such a disaster. So much so that they had to say goodbye to James Bradbury, who was probably one of their three best players last year. For cap reasons, just had to let him go. And now look at the foundation that the team has. And yeah, you have to give Dave Gettleman a little bit of credit, even though he couldn't hire a coach. He mismanaged the cap so poorly, signed players that weren't worthy. But Dexter Lawrence panned out. Saquon Barkley, I know we can debate the number two overall pick, but that's not debatable anymore because it happened. Saquon Barkley panned out. Andrew Thomas panning out and he drafted Daniel Jones now he did everything in his power to try and screw up Daniel Jones but he drafted Daniel Jones so he does get a little bit of an honorable mention but Shane Dable Kafka Martindale the coaching staff the front office awesome absolutely awesome I I, I forgot how great this feels to have a really fun football team that's winning playoff games awesome absolutely awesome all right so quickly around the nfl the other games the other games because to me they didn't nearly matter as much but we'll start here how about those la chargers justin herbert the guy that 
the NFL media and the group think was slobbering over his knob constantly. How about that guy? Up 27 to zero in the first half where Trevor Lawrence throws four interceptions in the first half, three in the first quarter. Those same Chargers, that same Justin Herbert, loses 31-30 to the Jacksonville Jaguars in Duval County. Now, again, I like Justin Herbert. I think Justin Herbert's awesome. I do. I think he's really, really good, really talented. I just think it's a little premature to crown him as the second coming of John Elway right now. And he missed Keenan Allen on a huge miss. Did absolutely nothing in the second half. And the Chargers only ran the ball seven times in the second half. Like, what are they doing? Brandon Staley probably should get fired. I don't think he will, though. The Chargers' ownership seems to be a little frugal when it comes to this stuff, and they give coaches generally a long leash. But my goodness, what a tale of two halves. And I mentioned Trevor Lawrence, who I've always been a believer in. However horrific he was in the first half, he was money. That level of money and then some in the second half. Just a crazy game. What a game. And again, I was on Jacksonville plus two and a half. I loved every second about it. The Buffalo Bills, 34-31 winners at home against the Miami Dolphins against Skylar Thompson. They survived Skylar Thompson. The Bills are just sloppy. Josh Allen was plain and simply sloppy. They were playing around with their food, and they didn't get caught this week. But if they continue to do that, they're not going to make a deep run, and they'll probably lose next week if they continue to be this sloppy. The defense needs to be shorn up. They miss Von Miller. That is clear. But it starts with Josh Allen. He has to be better. He has to be better. The guys mentioned the same category as Patrick Mahomes. Well, you got to prove it. You got to prove it. You can't be this sloppy. Just a weird game. And, and shout out to the Dolphins. And shout out to Skylar Thompson, the much maligned Skylar Thompson, who looked like absolute dog shit against the Jets the week before. And Mike McDaniel, you can debate a lot of things about Mike McDaniel, but the fact that he showed confidence in Skylar Thompson and instilled enough confidence for him to put up 31 points. I know they got a fumble recovery for a touchdown. So offense put up 24 points. And Skylar Thompson did not have a good day. I mean, he was under 50% completion percentage. Yeah, there were a couple of drops. Jalen Waddell had a case of the drops yesterday. But the Dolphins fought. Kudos to them. Bills need to shore it up. The Cincinnati Bengals, another team that I really liked going into these playoffs. Well, they got away with one. Got away with one against the Lamar Jackson-less Baltimore Ravens. Sam Hubbard with the huge fumble recovery. Tyler Huntley trying to go over the top for the touchdown. Fumble going the other way. 98 yards to the house. The Bengals' offensive line is really banged up. It's going to be interesting to see if they can get right, especially for next week. Uh, the Ravens fought hard. Ravens fought hard. And ultimately, they were just, you know, Tyler Huntley is what he is, right? And uh, the Lamar Jackson situation now, you're on the Lamar watch. And it's really weird. Like, I understand you have a hurt knee, but why is he not there rooting on his teammates? 
I feel like he's done with the organization and the organization's done with him. I feel like Lamar Jackson's going to be a New York Jet. And I caution Jet fans who are getting excited about the possibility of paying Lamar Jackson big money. You will ultimately be disappointed if you do. I think they can go another direction. I think they should go another direction. I don't think Lamar is that guy. I think he's brittle. I think he's an inconsistent passer. He's moody. And I'm not sure he's the leader you want of your football team. But anyway, we'll see what happens with the Lamar Jackson situation. Last but not least, Brock Purdy. Brock Purdy does it again. Unbelievable run this guy's on. Unbelievable run. San Francisco beat up on the Seattle Seahawks. It was close. Even Seattle was winning at the half. But ultimately, I think the San Francisco team right now is the best team in football, even with Brock Purdy. And if you had to bet on one team to win the Super Bowl right now, it would probably be the San Francisco 49ers. What a story. And I know I have maligned Kyle Shanahan in the past. And shout out to my buddy Scott Katz, friend of the program, who constantly reminds me that I've maligned Kyle Shanahan in the past. I do think he's gotten conservative in some playoff games in the past. But the fact that he has the record that he has, and he's gotten as far in the playoffs as he has with the likes of Jimmy Garoppolo and Brock Purdy, it's pretty freaking good. Pretty freaking good. One quick thing on in MLK Monday. Tough loss for the Knicks in overtime. R.J. Barrett, an unbelievable dunk at the end of regulation to tie it, but tough loss for the Knicks in overtime. They still have not been good on their home floor. Right now they're 11 and 12 at home, but Knicks are generally playing good ball. Jalen Brunson has been sensational, did not shoot the ball well today. 29 attempts is a little much for my liking for Jalen Brunson, but I have to give him a shout-out that he's played really well. With that said, we're going to bring on a recurring guest to bask in the glory of this Giants victory. Talk about what he noticed, uh, big-picture items from the first week of the NFL playoffs. We'll talk about next week's games, preview the Giants, preview the next week's matchups, and we'll get to him in just a matter of moments. So I mentioned it in the monologue. We're continuing with firsts on this show. Last week, we previewed a Giants playoff game for the first time. And this week, we get to celebrate a Giants playoff win for the first time on this show. And obviously, I had to have him back on, Mr. Shy Elberger. Shy, how you feeling, man? What a Sunday. That was a great game. Uh, we knew it was going to come down to the, to the end. I think we said that when we spoke about it. Vikings... Had been 11 and 0 in one score games. The Giants basically all their games, aside from like the Colts win and the first Eagles loss, came down to the end one score game. They had just played each other a month earlier. It came down to a last like, 60 yard field goal. So we knew it was going to be close. And it, and it came down to the last drive. And, um, you know, the Giants just made th those last couple plays with a pass defense on third down and um, forcing Cousins to throw it short and making the tackle on fourth down, and that was it. Um, but we knew it was going to be close. But what what a – man, second round of the playoffs. We didn't see that coming. Well, I mean, once they got there, I was oddly confident that they were going to win, so I kind of thought they were going to get there. But Yeah, I, it, it, it was also an interesting thing because when we were doing the picks last week, the, you said uh, like 70, a majority, 70-something 70 percent of the votes, maybe 60-something, were on the Giants. 
And I was like, yeah, that really worries me. Like everyone is so confident. I'm, the Giants, everyone in New York, everyone, all the Giants fans are really confident. But like the spread didn't change. It was Vikings by three and a half all week. And I just thought it was like a 50-50 toss-up game. I, I wasn't confident. I knew they could win because they almost just beat them. But I wasn't I wasn't confident. I yeah, I, I even had it at three. I didn't really see it move off three in most places. But yeah, no, I was weirdly confident about it. So what about the game? Obviously, there were there were a couple of key moments, but what about the game to you stood out, just high level? Obviously, besides Daniel Jones. We'll talk yeah, about so, him in a second. I mean, that's where you start with Daniel Jones. But I would say, you know, I, I don't know if now can I say the offense because obviously he was, he was sure. most of the offense. But the offense just in both of these games against the Vikings, the Vikings have a, a bad secondary. They were, you know, 30-something against the pass. And in both games the Giants played against them, you could tell very clearly the game plan was to pass often. And remember in the first game, Jones had a great game also. It was like his career high in attempts and yards. He, had, he was like 30 for 40 for 300 and uh, had a good game. And then this week again, just, you know, guys getting open across the middle, little, you know, a uh, play that was for Saquon. Uh, the two receivers on the left run crossing route. Saquon comes out of the backfield to, the, to where they vacated against the linebacker, got easy 20 yards. Just – it was like a perfect offensive game plan. Like you truly felt, we know we've been saying this all year, how we love Dable, we love Kafka. You know, the Giants coaching advantage is, is kind of there every week. You really, this was more than any other game I felt like. I just, the, the coaching advantage was huge. I was just so confident uh, in, in that happening. And then I think on the defensive side, you know, we, you know the Giants basically shut down Justin Jefferson, especially after that first drive, he had like three for 40. And you're like, oh, man, this is going to be another repeat of the last time when he had like 12 for 150. Um, and then after that, he had like one catch for eight yards or something or, or, or whatever it was. Not, nothing. Of, he finished uh, with 47 yards. Right. I think like six or seven catches for 47 yards. Yeah. So clearly their game plan was to just not let him beat them deep. Uh, you know, he got a few of those short ones, tackled them immediately. I think, you know, at a, actually at a more of a micro level, the tackling in this game and really all season by the Giants defense has really been exceptional. Like I can't remember more than literally one or two times this season where the Giants just had like some egregious tackling. And I, I don't know if that's coaching or, or practice or the players, but in this game also like, there was nothing broken deep. Jefferson caught it, got tackled. Hawkinson had a big game, caught it, got tackled. The last play of the game, McKinney, you know, how often would we see the Giants, you know, safety there, like just missing that tackle against like Jason Witten and he gets like nine more yards, but made the tackle, no doubt about it. So I think that also kind of flies under the radar a little bit, but their tackling has really been good. We talked about the coaching and obviously – there, there were a couple of moments where you could play the Monday morning quarterback, but when it comes to the coaching and when it comes to the play calling, I, I, I'm at the point with them right now that I trust everything they do. I trust every, you know, that that decisions are made, you know, with logic and reason. The results may not be there, right? The results may not always come up, come up aces, but I think that everything is thought out. And I just trust 
all the decisions they make. And it's crazy yeah. to be, be that way about a coach because we haven't done that in who knows how long. And it, this isn't also a case of like the local, the fans like kind of overrating their guy. Like admittedly, we here in the New York area love Joe Judge like his first year. And I guess the, the national media did too. But a lot of times that there's initial success, you know, we get too, too overconfident. But you could just see around the league and like, you know, you watch the NFL Network or ESPN, like everyone loves Dable and like Bill Simmons is like obvious coach of the year, like et cetera, all this stuff. But in terms of like trusting them, one thing I feel like I've brought up a few times in the last episodes was the red zone offense and goal to go offense just seems like it always scores touchdowns. And yet again, in this game, uh, Saquon, whatever, had a two yard run. Uh, other touchdown perfect play action bootleg to bellinger wide open as i said they just get guys wide open the hodgins nice touchdown open over the middle um i don't even remember who the other well barkley had the pitch out run to get right right he scored twice right right so i don't i don't know if that was red zone actually but that was he scored from the 28 yard line but it was a well-designed play right well designed never were able to execute a pitch play for the last seven years but just just even those other plays are like that bootleg to bellinger was just like perfect play to get a guy wide open at the five yard line um and just again continued and i think that's going to be you know we'll talk about the eagles game but you know the giants i don't think are going to be able to settle for you know short field goals if they were going to win so we were talking about the coaching decisions one of the decisions that i was kind of referencing was at the end of the first half they're up 17 to 7 they it's second and eight there's an incomplete pass but there was a holding call right right yep there was a holding call and they declined the penalty i think it was like 240 left right i think they only had one timeout minnesota and i was it a was it an incomplete pass i remember what it was yeah it was something something that was zero so but they right but they declined the penalty third down instead because they wanted to preserve the time to try and score at the end of the first half obviously third and eight hawkinson who had a monster game you know obviously they were like you know we're not going to let justin jefferson go crazy hawkinson was the beneficiary of that i, I guess it was kind of like you have to give something the bend but don't break kind of thing so it, it it worked out fine but you know the play obviously goes for like 15 yards or something like that big play and the vikings score at the end of the first half they get scored a touchdown 17 14 going into the half and even though it didn't work in their favor i thought the logic was was good yeah that uh when that happened uh you know we're in a few group chats and you know, that's, it was like, you know, what do you do? Accept or decline. So if you accept the penalty, it becomes second and 18 decline. It's third and eight. I agreed with, with Dable in declining that penalty. Uh, one for the reason you already mentioned, like it's third and eight. Now you get one stop. You're trying to get the ball back with, you know, two minutes and change left. And you want to try to score before the half. Um, Second and 18, I get that, you know, you might not get 10 yards and then the next play is third and, and you know, nine or, were, or more. But, you know, obviously they can get the first down. And a million penalties, seconds. A million penalties. Right, another 45 seconds. There's a million penalties that give you an automatic first down. Like, it's not hard to get a first down on second and 18. You get, a you know, one easy illegal contact penalty 
and it's automatic first down. So I, I agreed with it. Get it to third down. If it was third and four versus second and 14, you know, at some point, then you take the yards. Right. Uh, but third and eight or, or third and nine, I, I don't remember exactly which it was. That's, I think, long enough where you have confidence to make the stop. You know, they didn't, and they scored, Minnesota scored before they have, so it backfired. But I didn't have, I, I, I like that. This but it just goes to show, it just goes to show you the confidence level and the confidence of the coaching staff because, right. yep. That that's where we are as a franchise right now, and you couldn't even believe that twelve months ago. Like you, you couldn't even think that that would be the case. That we wouldn't question a decision like that in that spot. And, we and wouldn't that even was be a, in that spot. That was a second quarter decision. In the fourth quarter, there were two crucial fourth and ones where I'm certain that other coaches and previous Giants coaches would have punted in those situations. And uh, I was screaming we to go for it, for it both of times. Of course. Went for it. QB sneak. Jones, you know, he should get a QB sneak 98% of the time. You, yeah. you, do, you win the game on your terms. Yeah. Well, one of the plays that happened right after that, because the second one, the first one was in the red zone, where they were maybe going to take the three. But the second one was, you know, at their own 47-yard line or something like that. And then two plays later, the Darius Slayton drop on, on third. No, three plays later, third and 15 Slayton's yeah. coming across the middle, the drop. And then, Ooh. which would have ended the game just brutal. It was, it was great to see that the giants picked him up, you know, as a team, because that was, that was rough. It almost gave me a heart attack. And then yeah. there was the roughing the passer call on Dexter Lawrence, which was as egregious as it gets. Be honest with me. After those two things happened, given how scarred we are as New York sports fans, were you expecting the worst, and did you think they were going to lose? After Slayton dropped the pass, I thought the Giants were going to lose that game. Um, that was just – it was just so similar to other crushing losses in the last 25 years where – you're 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 in it to the end or you're winning and then there's just a ridiculous unforced error at the end and it just all backfires the fact that it was third and 15 and they got a guy wide open over the middle for an easy first down a guy no, who yeah, had he been probably having, could have scored yeah right he, like it may have been a 40 yard play yeah um he had had a good game prior to that it wasn't like he had you know he had dropped two passes or you know he had been playing like it was just – just dropped it. 22 and yards I, a catch. He was four for I 88. Like, he got open. Yeah, I just I, – I was like, I can't believe they had that game. They won the game if he just doesn't drop that pass. At that point, I thought they lost. Then they punt. They called Dexter Lawrence for this roughing the passer penalty where he's literally sacking him as Cousins is throwing the ball and then doesn't even land on him. Just like, let's go. Call him for roughing the passer. Yes, at that point, I was 100% certain <laughs> the Giants had lost that game. This was just, as I just said, with the last the Slayton play, like there's one crazy play that starts a snowball. Once the roughing the passer happened, you start putting it together. Like, it's, I can't believe Slayton dropped it. I can't believe they called roughing the passer on Lawrence. There's going to be something else where it's going to be, I can't believe they called a 40-yard pass interference penalty. And then I can't believe something else happened. And, you know, K.J. Osborne scores a touchdown. And um, they would have gotten the two-point conversion. Yeah, I wonder if they would have gone for two. I really wonder. I would have been interested to see that. 
Um, but yeah, I just, the, it didn't happen that way. And I think uh, after the Lawrence penalty, I'm not sure they may have gotten one more first down because they got around midfield, but then, uh, you know, the first down, second down, Cordell Flock coming into the game, by the way, just for that possession, for some reason, had a huge a, pass a breakup, huge. great pass breakup on third down. And then fourth down, Dexter Lawrence had been dominating all game, forces Cousins to throw it after you know a couple seconds. And you know, Cousins got a lot of flack for this, and I hear it. It's like just throw it up to a double team Jefferson and hope for the best. Like he already made the catch against the Bills. Like there's no limit to what he could do. Right. Um, but it's like he's back to pass. Lawrence just shows up in front of him. He sees Hawkinson, who has like a yard of separation. He just throws it to Hawkinson and you hope. You know, the guy breaks a tackle and McKinney slips, like whatever, something happens. Now that didn't happen. But, you know, I don't know how much I blame. Like Cousins, I thought actually had a pretty good game. Um, Cousins was not yeah. the reason they lost that game. No, not the I am they one lost. of the biggest Kirk Cousins skeptics, you know, in sports media. And no, he was not they, the they reason lost they lost that their, game. Their defense, their defense yeah. cost them the game. The Dexter Lawrence penalty, it seemed like they called it because he hit Cousins, like incidental like, contact on the side of the head. Just, it was so ridiculous. It's it's they need to I don't know what they're gonna do next season. It seems like something, but like if they'll have those like expedited reviews for these penalties, but like an incidental grazing of a helmet is not what you're protecting the quarterback is like intended for. Yeah. I also thought they, they had a couple of instances where they used the expedited replay on other things and it didn't yep. and it didn't disrupt the flow of the game. No. It was it's, so it's much better than anything else. Why it's why can't we just uh, have this? Yeah, it's been a good addition. They they had it during the regular season also. I think we're seeing it now more maybe in the playoffs, but it's definitely been helpful. All right, so now we got to give him, you know, even more love. Daniel Jones. I talked about it on the monologue. Guy going into the year, fifth-year option declined. He hasn't put up guardy numbers. Like, he hasn't even thrown for 4,000 yards. But over the last six weeks – and yes, uh, excuse me, on Sunday, he was absolutely money. The floor is yours. Yeah, I mean, I'm just, I'm so proud of Daniel Jones. Um, like, you you know me, not I, I'm not pretending as if I never had my confidence wavered. I'm definitely on record predicting that this was going to be his last year on the Giants. What I will cling to and maintain is that for his his four years on the Giants before this year, I was always higher on him than most people. I, I had a high opinion of him. I know, you know, we have a friend in our chat who will not be named Mo, who thinks I'm like a Daniel Jones <laughs> hater, but it's not true. You know, that's not true. I've liked him since the beginning. He had traits that I always liked. Uh, really, really accurate. Throws a great ball, a great spiral, uh, you know, good, uh, you know, the, the you know, off the field, whatever, all that good stuff, leadership. There were just things like pocket awareness and throwing on the run and sensing pressure and, and leaving the pocket, like stepping up, stepping out, that he just wasn't doing well. And I wasn't sure if those could be learned or if it was really instinctual. And the first, you know, few coaches, it wasn't happening for him. Uh, plus, he was injured a lot. And then for some, whatever reason, Dable and Kafka and the QB coach, they've gotten this out of him. We see it now every game, him sensing the pressure. He's stepping up. He's rolling out. He's throwing on the run. 
He's running smartly, no turnovers, like all these things that we had said he just doesn't do well, he's doing well. So if you have deficiencies and you make them into, um, you know, positive traits, then, all, you know, a, a lot of respect to him. A lot of the credit goes to him and the coaches. But there's just, you know, it just – he made himself a lot of money. People are saying now also, like, oh, the Giants feel stupid for not giving him his fifth-year option. Like, that's such no, a dumb that, and lazy that, that's take. ridiculous. You make the decision at the time with the information you have available. Yeah. The time. It would have been nonsensical. It was always like, listen, if, they, if, if Jones plays well and the Giants have to pay him a lot, that'll be a problem they'd love to have. Okay. Well, yeah. now it's a problem that they're love to have. Um, I wore Sunday, my, my, you know, my Danny Dimes shirt. Uh, love it. That was given to me in 2019. I had not worn it a lot. But this year, I think I might be three or four and zero with it. Um, and then I had to uh, wear it again the following morning uh, on a, a Central Park date. Um, but I had to be out in public wearing the Danny Dimes T-shirt. Uh, you know, it has the, the huge dime. I saw at the stadium, the Giants Instagram account had like these Giants fans holding up the huge dime with his, uh, his, his cute cherubic face on the dime. And it just, uh, I, I showed... I showed this girl that this is the same dime that you were seeing on my T-shirt. Six flex. What you're talking about dates <laughs> right now? He's Park. Look at you, my guy. What a Casanova over here. Um, yeah. So I was always the of the two of us. I was the more skeptic of Daniel Jones's any. Uh, you know, between the two of us, I even going into this year, like the game against Carolina, where he he didn't have the turnover, but he had that ridiculous throw at the end of the first half that it was almost a pick six, right? And I just, yeah. at that point, I was just like, I, he looks like he plays like he's colorblind and I'm out. And we even, you know, it's not even just the turnovers. It's the throws that should be turnovers that haven't resulted in turnovers. Like, he's just been so clean and so efficient and he's tough as nails. And I, I can't believe the 180 I've done on him. I can't. It's an incredible 180, and even before week uh, two or three, but like that was the week one interception that he threw, which was just a in the end zone right before halftime. I think or maybe it was it was right before halftime, fourth quarter. I forget when it was. Just a horrible throw that looked just like old Jones, and you were like, "Listen, like it's just not going to happen for him. It's not going to change." And then we, you know, it's maybe a good lesson in that like you have a new offense, a new system, it just takes time. Like you're not going to master it by training camp, by preseason, by week two. Something has shifted over the course of the season. The last like six or seven weeks, um, I saw a stat that said like weeks uh, until through week 10, Saquon was averaging 22 carries a game. Since then it's like 13 carries a game and they're passing a lot more. So they're they're putting more on his plate, maybe more more confidence in the receivers, which is you know a miracle in itself. Yeah, um, and just it, it's 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 clicked for him, and, and it makes you excited about is this a flash in the pan? Like, are we due for a Jones clunker? And then everyone's like, oh, ha, I remember this Daniel Jones, or is there literally like another level that he can get to next year in year two of the system with? legit receivers with an improved offensive line, like how high can he actually go? Yeah, it's 
it's really, really interesting. Well, one of the receivers that may have been a possibility for him, bring him back, Odell Beckham. I'm not sure they're going to be doing that anymore. But it's going to be interesting to see what they do in the offseason at that position because even these young, unnamed dudes, you know, have come to play the last six weeks and have played better. So it's just a wild turn of events. You mentioned Barkley and not getting the carries. I mean, he only had nine carries at 53 yards rushing and another 50 or so yards in the, in the air. I do think next week, and we're going to get shift gears here. I think next week you're going to have to see more Saquon Barkley. I, I think yeah. you're going yep. to have, he's going to have to, to carry the, the ball 15 times. Yeah, I, I agree. I think even more than that, um, I think, the Giants, I think the Eagles can take advantage of the Giants' offensive line from a pass rush standpoint, especially on the right side. Uh, there's just there's no denying Evan Neal has just had a rough rookie season. It is what it is. He had and a decent game Sunday. It was actually not even sure that's correct. I think I saw Jordan run on tweet that he had like the lowest pass block win rate of any right tackle in this uh, this weekend. So it, it, he didn't destroy the game. Like, I don't think Jones was sacked, actually. But all those times where Jones was, like, stepping up and running out of the pocket, I think, was because Neil's guy had gotten there pretty quickly. Uh, and you just know the Eagles are going to take advantage of that. So I think Saquon, the running game, might have to be a, a bigger part. Definitely more carries, maybe some screen. The Giants haven't really executed a successful screen pass in, like, 19 years. A well-timed screen pass in this game would be probably I, I could. That's my that's my bold prediction. The Giants have a really big screen pass in this game, um, but I do think they will have to try to run it. Maybe keep the ball out of the Eagles' hands. Also, could could that be uh, a motivation for them? Uh, so but yeah, I agree with your point. Let's talk about Philly. On a scale of one to ten, how confident are you go are you about the game Saturday night going into Philly? I am a. Four point three confident out of ten. Uh, oh. I just I I don't think I do I don't think they're going to win. Uh, I just think the Eagles are in a, a tier above the Vikings. They just there's many more mismatches across offense and defense. And I also like my I looked this up before we started. The last time the Giants won in Philadelphia. 2013 nine wow. straight losses so like i also just i don't have a, any memory in my head of like beating them in philadelphia uh in, in quite a long time so it's also it's almost like when i'll believe it when i see it uh, but also i just think you know the eagles through you know mid-december early december was like the clear number one powerhouse like they were 11 and 0 kind of know what were they and, like, I get that they sputtered a little toward the end. Hurts got hurt, but he's now 100%. He's not even on the injury report. Uh, I, don't, I don't know who of their big players is Is Lane Johnson on the injury report? He might be, but I haven't seen anything that or he's in danger of missing the game. Okay, but um, you know the numbers when he's compromised. Right, um, and the Giants are healthy too. And I think when they played them the first time, uh, they didn't have uh, a Dory Jackson, I think, and McKinney was probably out at that point. Um, I th- so they- there was no Isaiah Hodgins. There was no Darius Slayton. There was nobody, legitimately was- nobody. Yeah, so, like, again, I'm not, like, no chance, um, but I'm not, like, 
confident that they can go in and beat Philly. What's the, what's wow. the key yeah. mat? What's the key matchup to you? Obviously, they they played, you know, basically press on Jefferson with a guy over the top. Are they going to do the same thing to AJ Brown, or are they going to have to switch it up because of so, Devonta Smith on the other side? Yeah, so I, I think a Devonta Smith is probably you know pretty safely say we we can say he's better than Adam Thielen. But yes, I think the real difference is Cousins doesn't run. The Giants are going to have to devote someone to not letting Hurts run, and that takes away another guy in defense who might have been a guy that double-teamed Jefferson. So I think that's really the biggest difference. Um, like Hurts can just – the Giants linebackers aren't very good, and Hurts you know, beat them with, with his legs in the first matchup. He had a really good game rushing. I think that's going to be – a crucial thing. I'm curious how the Giants defended. I don't know if, like, say Landon Collins is a QB spy or something along those lines. Maybe McKinney. Um, I think they just have to may put a little more on a Dory Jackson to just cover AJ Brown. You know, he did a really good job against Justin Jefferson, but again, they had you know they played a lot of safety help over the top. I'm not sure if they can do that this time. Maybe Julian Love is is the Hurts QB spy. Uh, but I think Adore is going to have to do a real solid job on his own. And then, you know, the Eagles can run also. So that's not like they're only, uh, you know, pass every team. Like they run a lot. Miles Sanders, we know Boston Scott's already scoring a touchdown. I don't know what his anytime TD bet is. It's probably minus 500, but I would still <laughs> probably lock that in. And um, I will say this. I just and like I don't know, even the even the lines, the offensive line, defensive line, that it's a Bradbury revenge game, like Darius Slay versus Darius Slayton. That's always confusing. I will say, if the Giants go into Philly and beat them, I will build a tabernacle in my apartment to pray to the football gods for for giving me this season. And then uh, even more, if Dallas ends up beating San Francisco and we get that game in the next round. See, to me, the key matchup. And I go back to the game against Minnesota was the Giants didn't register any sacks. They had eight, 11 QB pressures. Dexter Lawrence had a good game. Thibodeau had a good game. But that's not enough. It's not enough. The front no. four is going to need to win and get at least three to four sacks. And they're going to have to be timely because, you know, as good as Hawkinson is, it it's different when you have a tight end that, that's sort of in the slot, middle of the field that's carving you up, as opposed to guys on the outside, right? Because there's just more ability for those yeah. dudes to, to break one. Yep. So yeah, I, and I think me, the, that to me is the key. It's It's got to be the front four, which is why I look at the Lane Johnson injury and his status, because for some reason – and again, I know I probably shouldn't be saying this. I know you said 4.3. I'm weirdly confident about them going into Philly and winning. Like, so what's, your, above, what's your number? I would say about a 5.6, five, 5.7. Five, All right, sounds like, there, your last, there's, uh, bucket, there's sounds like your last bucket Wednesday score. <laughs> that's insulting. Wow. wow <laughs> that, that That's assault in the wound that, that hasn't closed yet. I, I really didn't appreciate that. Um and yeah, no, I I feel weirdly confident about this this team. Like, there's just some good juju here, and maybe I'm just riding off the high and the fumes of winning a playoff game for the first time in 11 years. But 
I definitely think there's something going on here. Yeah, so, okay, so two things. One, to the point about the pass rush, the pressures versus the sacks, I agree with you, and I think a lot of that is back to the Cousins versus Hurts. Cousins, if you pressure, he's throwing it under pressure. Hurts, if you pressure, he's running around and maybe running. So that's why sacks is, is definitely more important. Um, for, for this game. And then well, Leonard, the good Will, Juju- Leonard Williams and Dexter Lawrence have to be the keys because you don't want Hertz being able to just roll out. Right. Like, or, or contain maybe come even up the, the middle. You could say Thibodeau and hopefully uh, Aziz plays and they could, you know, containing the edge and not letting Hertz right. get around them. Um, but the good Juju, like, I get it. And I feel like it's just one of those things that's like something you point to after the fact. But like, maybe good juju gets this not great team to the second round of the playoffs and a loss. Like that would be pretty good juju also. I don't know if it means that they're going to get Oh, they're playing with house money. It wouldn't be disappointing. Right, right. I I definitely, and I don't think, I don't see this happening. And I also said this for Minnesota, like I don't want to lose, you know, 37, 13. uh, But if they lose, you know, 27, 20, something, whatever, respectable. Yeah, this, this, no matter what happens, this was a great season. For some reason, I'm just weirdly confident. I'm weirdly confident about this team. Well, let's. Uh, it th- your it mouth doesn't really to, make to a whole you. lot of sense, but I'm really confident about this team. I also don't think the Eagles are the same Eagles team of mid-December. Yeah, I guess I do. I'm, I'm higher on them than, than you are. All right, so we're going to take a quick break now, and then we're going to talk about the rest of what happened opening weekend of the playoffs and preview the rest of the games this weekend. So we're back. Shy is back. Let's go around the league. Obviously, what else happened the first weekend of the playoffs? What stood out to you most of all the games? I think what was interesting was the three projected blowouts of uh, Seattle, San Francisco, Buffalo, Miami, Cincinnati, Baltimore were all like close or the favorite was losing at halftime of each of those games. San Francisco was down, but at the half and then Buffalo and Cincy were up by like a point or two or three, but you, you, it wasn't go. And even crazier is that, especially Buffalo was up 17, nothing. You're like, okay, that's going as planned. And then all of a sudden Miami's up like 2017, um, Seattle. And so I thought that was interesting because we know uh, those three like money line parlays were, were seemingly the obvious, was the obvious parlay to go with. And it ended up winning all those right. teams won. But at halftime of each of those games, it was like, oh, this is interesting. Um, and then I guess Baltimore since he did come down really to the end. But Buffalo, I so did Buffalo, really. Like, Miami could have won that game with a different couple other bounces. Um, San Francisco would just crush them in the second half, and that ended up as a blowout. But I think that, to me, was what was was interesting the most. The money line parlay won, but the teasers, the teasers got killed if you were teasing those teams because Buffalo just looked like they were playing around with their food a little bit. I mean, Skylar Thompson, I know they had he's a couple not. of drops, but like... He's horrible. Yeah, no, but but as I said in the monologue, even as bad as he was, and he was under 50% completion percentage, like, it, it was still amazing to me that given how terrible he was against the Jets and the week before that, the fact that McDaniel was able to instill the confidence in him to even just, like, go out and attempt certain passes 
You know, the offense scored 24 points. It's a lot yeah, of points. The, the, what was the final score? 34-31. They got the return oh, got it. touchdown, got it, but yeah. they scored 24 points. Right. Like, yeah, that's pretty it impressive. Uh, it, it could have been worse, and it looked like it was going to be worse. So, yeah, I don't, I don't mean – Skylar Thompson, I thought, was pretty bad. So – it just I'm not it seemed was, like I'm not saying he was great, but I think it's it's a testament to your boy Mike McDaniel right, that right. he was able to get him to that point. So you don't buy those r- ridiculous rumors that said Miami was contemplating firing him? <laughs> no, no, I did not. No, I was no. not. My, I mean, Miami is going to be in an interesting situation going forward, depending on what what Tua is going to be like in terms of his health and long term. But no, yeah. I don't think they're firing Mike McDaniel anytime soon. To me, I mean, Buffalo is just like they really need to shape up. And we're going to get to picks against the spread for this coming weekend's games. But Buffalo looks like a team that just like they just mess around too much. And it starts uh, with the quarterback, yeah. as great as he is. But it was also like it was 17 nothing, and maybe that's how it started. Maybe – you know, when they play Cincinnati, it's not going to be that way, and, and maybe we won't see that. Yeah, but these are bad habits. You got to stop correct. bad habits. You can't do bad this habits. stuff in the playoffs. Right. Can't do this stuff. I mean, to me, the most fascinating thing was, I mean, obviously it was the game Saturday night. Chargers uh, – oh, excuse me. Chargers um, – Chargers Jaguars. Jaguars. Yeah. And that whole debacle by the – L.A. Chargers, yeah. which I loved every second of, by the way. I Probably the reason why I, it's not even top of mind for me was because I missed the entire second half. So the, what I, I watched saw, it on the plane. It was glorious. What I saw was a blowout city, and I knew that you were going to lose your Jacksonville pick. I was going to win my Chargers pick. And then whatever, 27-7, I went out. And then every time I checked on my phone, it was getting closer and closer. And then I was like, I was pretty stunned. The fact that Trevor Lawrence was as bad as he was in the first half to then come out and be that good, the complete opposite, that good and then some, was amazing. I mean, how many quarterbacks can you say are dropping back to pass, what was it, like 56, 57 times and and winning? especially after the first half he had, like, that's remarkable. Like, I know there are some skeptics of Trevor Lawrence, but, like, there are very few dudes who have the talent to do that. I I am a believer in Trevor Lawrence. I I like Lawrence. I do like Lawrence also. I I thought last year was – you could place 100% of the blame on Urban Meyer. I mean – I, I love this Jacksonville thing. Absolutely love this Jacksonville thing. I mean, that's, that was, that's because deep down you're an Evan Ingram stand and you just oh, want him stop. to win a Super Bowl. Oh, my God. Don't even. Don't even go there. But the other thing that stood out to me the most was, and I know they won the game and, and Cincinnati's a little bit banged up um, on the offensive line. The, the Ravens, kudos to Harbaugh. He always has those guys fighting. But the Lamar Jackson thing is weird. Yes. It's it's really weird. Like, you have a knee injury. I get it. And given what happened with with DeMar Hamlin, you're not going to, like, risk it. You know, if you don't have a contract, I I get all that. It's a business. But, like, 
you can't show up and be on the sidelines. Yeah, so I I don't know. Uh, I don't really, I don't even think Demar Hamlin plays into it at all. I think if that didn't happen, the same thing would have played out this way. It's sure, all about but it was the just another amp- It was just something that amplifies it. I don't even. I don't necessarily blame him. Like we we saw RG three, and he yeah. tweeted about this. Come back early from a knee injury to play in a playoff game, tear his ACL, and that was it for RG three. Like he was never the same. Lamar has no money coming to him after his next game. So if I'm him, I'm not playing either. If I'm, you know, ninety percent, maybe I don't know if he's seventy percent. Should he play? If I were him, I'm sure it's not an easy decision, but I'm not sure I would play either. No, Why? but he the point is to show up. Team. Yeah, I don't know. What was – do we know really what happened there? They just said he didn't travel with the team, and that was that. And they didn't really say – I think both sides are just done with each other. So you think he will not be on the Ravens next year? I think he's going to be a New York Jet next year, and I think it's going to be a massive mistake by the Jets. Interesting. Well, they'll have to – I can't imagine the Ravens let him leave for nothing. So I would assume it would be like a franchise tag and trade. In which case, what do you think the Jets are giving up for Lamar? Whatever it is, they're going to overpay. I'm just not a Lamar guy, right? I right. just, no, I, no. I, I think he's a mediocre at best passer. I think he's moody. Yeah, I understand the situation with his knee. I, I get that. I'm not even saying I'm blaming him. I just don't think he handles his business properly. And if he's going to be the face of your franchise, you want a guy to be able to handle his business. But I think for the Jets, I said this tonight to uh, to Sim, it was I could see it. You know, he would be the best quarterback the Jets have had in a million years, and it could go really well. But it could also go really south if he just plays poorly or has an attitude. Like you, we know the fans will flip on him quick. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be fascinating. I think he's done there, and I don't think the Ravens really want him back. To be totally honest, I don't blame them. I don't blame what them. What would they do that? Like they would be in the what? Derek Carr, Jimmy G sweepstakes, or they go to the draft and start again. I mean, Harbaugh and you know the front office have enough equity that it's not like their jobs are on the line, right? Like, right. you know, but they the have team, the leash yeah. to go out and draft somebody and, and roll with it. It would be uh, similar to the Giants dilemma, though, where like they're picking twenty third or whatever. Like, what could they do? Um, It'll anyway, be interesting probably. to see. Yeah. All right, so let's move on to previewing the games that are this weekend. Um, it starts off Saturday afternoon, four thirty, Kansas City, Jacksonville. By the way, we're going based on the lines of BetOnline.ag, the presenting sponsor of this podcast. Right now, it's showing KC minus eight. Shy, what do you like about this game? And if you had to pick a game with the spread, which way are you lean in? Uh, well, first of all, do you have a score from us from last week, or am I supposed to remember what I picked? Because I feel I like won. I feel like I had ba- I had Baltimore. I feel like they covered. I did not, not sure have I did not have a great a great. Okay, game. Right, I so now I, I see why you didn't bring it up. All right. So, Chiefs by eight. Uh, I will take. You must have been. Hold on. You must have been three and three because it's not like we disagreed on so much. Three and three is a lot better than two and four. Yes, it is. I will take the Chiefs by eight, even though my gut is telling me that big spreads get covered this year. 
Uh, I just, I feel like we're talking about the Chiefs being like perennial Super Bowl team. And this is the Jaguars, like first foray into the playoffs. Uh, everyone's uh, emotional game last week, like the comeback, all of that. You could just, I wouldn't be shocked to see just the Chiefs kind of win like 37 10 or something like that. The Chiefs haven't been great against the spread recently. Yeah, as I said, my gut tells me to go the other way, so I'll, I'll be wrong. But. I'm actually going to go Jacksonville plus eight. Do you know Trevor Lawrence has never lost the game he's played on a Saturday? I did see that last uh, last, this, last week, yeah. This game is on a Saturday. Uh, well, that is not a stat I will uh, incorporate into my betting, uh, but – but no, interesting I, I think the Chiefs are going to win. I just think I think it's going to be a closer game than most expect. And, you know, the public is going to be all over the Chiefs. And I think, you know, if you subscribe to the Fade the Public, I know we went against that for the Giants last week, but if you subscribe to the notion that you fade the public, I, I like Jacksonville to cover the number. If you can get it in eight and a half, that's even better. All right. Now that's one discrepancy from between us. So we talk, So we're heads up in one. Giants, Eagles, seven and a half. We spoke about this game at length. I don't. Yeah. I don't think either of us should really make a selection here. Um, uh, what? Yeah, we are. We're making a selection, and I'm taking uh, Giants plus seven and a half. I don't think they'll win, but I do think they will cover that. We are both on the Giants seven and a half, and you know, sprinkle a little money line at plus two eighty. I I love it. Bengals. Bills. Both teams have left me a little cold, considering I thought that they were going to be a little bit better at this point in the year. The line is five. What say you? Bills ah, minus wow. five. I was seeing four and a half. So I think the Bills are going to win the Super Bowl. I think it's it's their destiny. Having said that, so obviously I think they will win this game. I do think the Bills and Bengals are pretty evenly matched. And if you're getting five points for the Bengals, I think that's the obvious pick, Bengals plus five. We are have a family play for game three as well. I am on the Bengals plus five. Cowboys, 49ers, Dallas after beating the crap out of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They are three-and-a-half-point underdogs in San Francisco. Shy, what say you about this one? Yeah, uh, you, you had to be impressed. We know Tampa's not good, but the way Dallas just manhandled them was impressive. I mean, I thought um, Tampa was going to win. Yeah, I, I, I didn't know what was going to happen, but I did have Tampa like plus 13-and-a-half in a parlay that I thought was an obvious leg, and – that was not really even close. Well, had Mike but, Evans caught that ball that he dropped oh, at the end of the fourth quarter, right. he would have had it. Thanks. I had forgotten about that, and you just reminded me how, how sad I was when that happened. Um, I obviously cannot take Dallas. So, San Francisco minus three and a half. Um, although I want Dallas to win. If the Giants win, I want Dallas to win. If the Giants lose, I want That's San Francisco fair. to win. I like San Francisco – with the points, I think San Francisco is actually going to win the Super Bowl. Yeah, and you have to imagine Fox loving their two games this weekend: Giants, Eagles, Cowboys, Niners. Oh, I mean these are these are these are marquee matchups. These are glamour matchups yeah. for them. Um, yep. But I think all the matchups are really good. Obviously, you know Burrow and, Mah- and Allen, 
Right. Jeez. Oh, also, we haven't we didn't talk about it, but like the Bills Bengals game is the rematch of the game. Yes. That like was not played. So I'm that I haven't even not that I've watched too much. It's only Tuesday, I guess. I'm sure that's going to be a major storyline this week. And, I'm sure you know, it will is. be a emo- I'm sure uh, there will be some emotions at pregame. Uh, but we all wanted to see that game. Like we were all pumped for it, and then it didn't really happen. So now we get the rematch. Well, now we get a chance to see it. So we've got three family plays, and we're going heads up in the Kansas City-Jacksonville game. Shy, this was always great. Um, I mean, celebrating a playoff win uh, two days after, it feels nice. I, I didn't realize how nice it felt. I always said that, like, I saw the two Super Bowl wins. Everything else was gravy. But I forgot how good it feels. Oh, it it feels wonderful and it's, it was not too long ago well you know I, we were making the case for over seven and a half wins i hammered the under and i was wrong <laughs> <laughs> hammered the under and i was wrong i'm glad i'm wrong I'm, I'm so happy to be here with this team right now i will say this just for me personally and my family knows how crazed i was watching this game if it was a knicks playoff game like i would have been catatonic um, but it's, it feels good to be back. It feels good to be back. So thanks again for doing it, bud. Next week, I think we've got bachelor to talk about. So, uh, we're putting you uh, to work. Imagine the giants win and bachelor starts. I don't know oh if I can goodness. handle so much excitement. So much excitement. Can't even contain it. Shy, I'll speak to you, bud. Thanks so much for doing it. Thanks again to recurring guest Shy Elberger talking about the Giants' win over the Minnesota Vikings and all things NFL playoffs this weekend, previewing the games for this coming weekend. What a win by the New York Giants. Again, I said it multiple times. I forgot how awesome it feels to have a football team win a playoff game. It's really, really good. Awesome feelings all around and Let's hope it continues this coming Saturday night. With that said, that's episode 193 for The Love of the Game, a victory episode. Take us out, Chief listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube you know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks that's what our podcast people are the worst brings you with each episode i'm rachel And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.